0: Hi, I'm Delaney. Hi, I'm Sam, and this is our podcast, You're a Psychopath. Debunking inaccurate media portrayals of psychopathy. On this week's episode, we will be looking at psychopathy in popular media. Specifically, we examine the literature Psychopaths in Our Lives by Diane Emerson, The Psychopath Epidemic by Cameron Riley, and Surrounded by Psychopaths by Thomas Erickson. So first we'll start with Psychopaths in Our Lives by Diane Anderson. And originally she created the, apparently, I don't know actually how true this is, but she says she created the first online support forum for victims of psychopaths. But her book, she wrote a book interviewing three psychopaths, basically asking them questions to figure out why they do the things they do. And this book has a foreword by two PhD people that are pretty well known in the forensic psychology field, but here's a little snippet of what it has to say. Perhaps no area of scientific study so naturally calls upon non-scientists to grapple with its most basic questions, as does the field of personality psychology. From the moment we wake up to the time we go to sleep, (laughs) we are typically inundated with stories of other people's behavior, whether it be loving, destructive, or anywhere in between. We learn what happened, who did what, and when they did it, and how others responded. We get the facts, but whether consciously or not, we all go beyond the information that we can so clearly see and hear. I, I, I already, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I already foresee problems with yeah. this book.
0: Non-scientists, how yeah, can you, and uh, two ph two people with their PhD. How can you confidently say that? the field of personality psychology so naturally calls upon non-scientists also the idea
1: the idea of personality psychology that's not in any way related to like psychopathy it's not like a it's not a personality trait like it's it's a diagnostic
0: also so invalidating to actual yeah actual scientists actual scientists who study personality psychology Completely diminishing to be like, yeah, like non-scientists can easily. Analyze.
1: Pretty much, this is for anyone. You don't need a degree. You don't need yeah. know anything about if it. You can do it. Personality, whatever, yeah. whatever mm. freak.
0: That means. So after that, in her introduction, she prefaces by saying that she is not a psychiatrist nor an academic researcher. Which
1: no, she is not. And
0: clearly, she is not. Which I don't know what I don't know what made her think. Let me write a book about a literal <laughs> diagnostic, you know, illness or whatever.
1: I don't know how she was able to write a book. Delaney's going to talk about <laughs> Delaney's going to talk about one of her podcast episodes later. If you find this woman's podcast Please and not. you listen to like one of the later episodes, like the most recent ones, it is she's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it makes no sense. You know, like Sarah Palin when she was interviewed during the election when she was VP candidate, and she would say things and nothing went together. Nothing like that really is sense. this woman. It is boring it's
0: Propaganda, it's, something you would come across for the alt-right pipeline. Like, yeah, this is it's, how you get started. It's she's a mess. She's about how QAnon people want to, you know... Use her as a platform. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, I would never do that. It's like, oh, lady, you literally make no sense. That's why they want to use you. It sounds like some
1: single woman, like, late 50s, early 60s, in her garage, just talking about whatever.
0: Conspiracy theory. Now. Yeah, pretty much. Full of just transphobic and just, like, really bad remarks. Yeah. I would not recommend listening or reading her book, but that's beside the point. We're here to dissect it for you so you don't have to. Yes. Anyway, after she prefaces by saying that she's not a psychiatrist nor an academic researcher, she says she offers a new perspective on diagnosed and self-identified psychopaths, which... You
1: can't can't self-identify yourself as a psychopath. But basically
0: she interviews three psychopaths and she calls them Fred, Steve, and Bill. So in one of her chapters titled Nature and Nurture, she asks, the experts argue over whether the term psychopath or sociopath is best suited. She says, I think most people feel like a sociopath is not going to hang out in alleys with a butcher knife. And they relate the term psychopath to serial killers like Ted Bundy. Is this how you see the terms? And she's asking, you know, three psychopaths, or three so-called psychopaths, this question.
1: Even even the language of, like, this, because I'm assuming this was just taken out of the book, right? Absolutely, yeah. It, it's not...
0: The book is just dialogue. Yeah. Of her
1: interviews. Which add, like, adds the idea of, like, nothing seems really planned out. No. And nothing, like... Not even grammatically goes together, but like, idea-wise, like, we got four different ideas going on. How are, how are the people she's interviewing supposed to understand what she's asking if we can't understand it and we're reading it word for word?
0: Also, just a sentence of, I feel like most people feel like a sociopath is not going to hang out in alleys with a butcher knife. What does that mean? I think she's trying to say that psychopaths are violent serial killers like Ted Bundy. And then, I don't know. I just, it's, okay. <laughs> anyway. The first, or one of the psychopaths, Steve, says he prefers the term sociopath because he doesn't feel that he is quote unquote psychotic, just destructive. Um, And in terms of why or like how he found out he was diagnosed, he says he took a test and found out he was a sociopath. But then later he says that he had the test organized through his therapist, but he also found part of the test online.
1: So this is another like, Bart Simpson. His yeah. parents gave him a sociopath test online and he took it. Like I think from what my is understanding this? of skimming
0: through the book, he kinda was just like my behavior like he said something about being psychotic and wanting to like figure out why he was feeling this way, so he looked up the test online. Perfect. Um and then organized it through his therapist, but that's as far as we get into. So Interesting. I really don't know if he's
1: Right, because I'm sure that uh, Diane didn't no. kind of further question into like oh your therapist like did your therapist do this with you No. no okay great
0: the next one fred he says something about how the terms sociopath and psychopath overlap but he fits the term sociopath more neatly he also goes on to say that he's not diagnosed by professionals but claims that his behavior fits very well in the two tests that are available to him Whatever that
1: means. This is this is sounding like, I go on BuzzFeed. Yeah. And I'm like, am I a psychopath? No, actually.
0: And he also goes on to say he's had comments of people accusing him of psychopathic, sociopathic behavior, but also bipolar characteristics.
1: And this is the same, like, if this is a, a layperson, I'm assuming this is just random people that he knows or whatever. Yeah, calling them that. People they people also don't right? know what they're talking no. about. So why would... I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> The next one, Bill says he doesn't want any term psychopath or sociopath attached to him due to the stigma, but he uses the term psychopath. He goes on saying that sociopaths are detached from the reality of their behavior and consequences, and they're often unable to take calculated risk. As a psychopath, at least one with some degree of intelligence, they're usually well aware of the behavior and its risk, according to him. He also implies some weird type of superiority of psychopaths, saying that he's a lion, psychopaths are lions, and sociopaths are hyenas. Mmm,
1: great analogy. And apparently, he says he
0: is tested at the University of Vancouver and received a formal diagnosis. But again, so, we can't necessarily right. back check that. But no. If he's a psychopath, he could be lying. Just kidding. I don't know.
1: Wow. Yeah. These are three special characters right here.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm, so, I'm very interested to know, and I don't know that there is any way to know this, but how she found these people.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't actually think. She might have said it.
1: This is giving me, like, Billy vibes from Seven Psychopaths, like, posting an ad and being like, hey, if you think you're a psychopath,
0: like, yeah. come talk to me. Actually, though, Yeah. maybe, well, maybe she had the forum, so Oh, that's she, right. like, found them on the forum. That's right. But... Oh yeah, so she says she's operated this online discussion forum for over 18 years and then not surprisingly attracted the attention of a few psychopaths, some from a desire to learn about themselves, some from mere curiosity, and some wanted to advise the victims, which doesn't really make sense. Nope. But basically she found three of these men from her forum. Great. And they allowed her to interview them and include them in the book. Hmm. Another chapter in her book, which I think is might be the most absurd and controversial, not even controversial, just wrong, <laughs> is titled Eyes. Diane asks, has anyone commented about your eyes? And if so, what were some of the comments? From what I understand and what I have observed, when the mask is off, the eyes change. And earlier in the book, she t- tries to explain what she means when the mask is off and basically like saying,
1: when they're not, like, purposefully be, yeah. like, engaging in, like, something related to the traits, like, there's, yeah. like, a...
0: Honestly, I feel like she kind of took what Cleckley was saying about this mask of sanity. But, like,
1: made it her own thing. Yeah. And okay. didn't actually read what it was no. about.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. and okay. And she says, like, more, like, not professional, but just, like, better psychopaths have a... Or, like, don't let the mask fall as easily.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Also, the idea of the eyes changing... Did she get that from Twilight? Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't understand.
0: (laughs) Um, So then she continues saying, it is something that once you see it, you will never forget. Kind of like looking into a scary black well and a feeling that evil is lurking. Some think that the eye color changes, but what really happens is the pupils become huge and black. You say it doesn't happen often. Do you have examples of the types of things or events that have made your eyes change?
1: Okay, so definitely Twilight, Changing, (laughs) changing colors. But mm-hmm. pupils become huge and black. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that your pupils dilated. are dilated? <laughs> yeah, that's like not... That's related to everyone's a lot of that. other things. Yeah, yeah everyone's yeah. eyes do Most that. Most people. Okay.
0: And anyway, so Steve says his eyes change from green to blue to gray. They go gray when he is mad at someone. And people tell him that he stares at them like a robot that wants to kill them.
1: I don't... I can't even begin to like try and not even rationalize because i would never try to rationalize this but like my brain can't understand like what what that means i don't think people's eyes like i know some people's eyes have like a few different colors in it and like depending on the light but that like you you can't see your eyes go go gray when you're mad like that doesn't make sense that That doesn't make sense you
0: look in the mirror and you get mad and then you look right (laughs) are people like actually telling you that
1: Also looking at them like a robot that wants to kill them. What does that mean? Just like a flat affect? Maybe you're just looking off into the distance. (laughs) Like what? I don't understand. I I feel
0: like a lot of people when they're angry probably have a flat affect. It's RBF. Yeah. He's
1: got RBF.
0: Yeah. People are just pathologizing RBF. No kidding. Okay. So then Fred goes on and says... He doesn't really understand the question, and notes that he's never seen his eyes when he's angry. Of course Fred doesn't understand the question! (laughs) But he says, what you are seeing is not black, but emotion, or the gap where it should be. I don't know. Since I don't know if we see people the same way. What does that mean? Okay, so... Maybe he's got dark eyes, dude. Right, <laughs> or is he
1: like I have a flat affect, which is what you're talking about when like the eyes go yeah. black, uh-huh. but like that also. What
0: you're why would he give an answer
1: and then say, "I don't know"? I don't know.
0: <laughs> like and like, what you're not, what you are seeing is not black, but emotion. or the gap where it should be.
1: Like that. That's some philosophical. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> yeah, like I mm, mm, <laughs> nope we nope. Won't. Okay.
0: <laughs> anyway, Diane goes on to say. As far as the soul, I don't think you have one as we know of them, but haven't visited these thoughts in ages. So to be fair, I will give it some more thought. (laughs) That didn't make sense. I think she's saying she doesn't think these
1: people have souls,
0: but she'll reconsider and she'll she'll ask some questions. Because
1: she's the authority on whether or not they have a soul, for sure.
0: And she says, some people on my forum have said that they could see pure evil in a psychopath's eyes. That they were staring into the eyes of madness.
1: Which we've already talked about this on the first episode with yeah. Dr. Davis. You cannot just go you out and identify handle. a psychopath. No, That's not how that works.
0: Single-handedly perpetuating the false narrative that you can look at someone and say, you're a psychopath. Right. Absolute baloney. <laughs> but anyway, she kind of continues this dialogue, moving away from her book. Because I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's clear she lo- she knows nothing. Knows nothing.
1: Claims to know nothing, but then also claims to be an authority on the subject.
0: I don't, <laughs> I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even know if necessarily she, like she claims in an indirect sense being like, I have the authority to write a book on Right, this. right. But it's That's more what I mean. She's like, yeah, I'm not a researcher. I'm not a psychiatrist. This is just my own opinion. Proof I'm- that anyone
1: can write a book. Anyone, anyone can write a book and get it published. Maybe we should write a book. <laughs>
0: doing a podcast yeah right exactly (laughs) but no i i wonder if she like feel like she had some bad experience with a psychopath and it kind of led her on this spiral yeah
1: because if she's like i'm trying to help the victims like maybe she thought she was a victim of a psychopath i don't know in that
0: sense of like support groups yeah but this is like like (laughs) this is dangerous this This is is dangerous dangerous. this is so dangerous like you're you're convincing people about these false things about psychopaths and you're just giving them a platform granted they can do this anywhere but you're single-handedly giving them a platform to actively disseminate false information and try and find solace in just absolute lies yeah but i digress anyway she eventually created a podcast to replace the forum I think the last time I checked the forum, the most recent post was 2017, which is still pretty recent, but this seemed to be more active. The forum seemed to be more active in the early 2000s, late 2000s. But anyway, I looked through some of her episodes, and there's one that really struck me, and it was titled, it was her 84th episode, and as of recently, we learned there's almost 200 episodes now. Her 84th episode is titled, Psychopaths, Eyes, Evil Behind the Mask and she goes on saying we have to look for clues where we can because most of these people will never get a diagnosis one wrong you're already claiming that you're making it seem like the diagnosis of psychopath is much higher than it actually is which
1: that comes up in even the things that i'm going to talk about everywhere every person also i was just thinking as you were talking i was thinking about we said anyone can write a book or make a podcast. She's not doing this for money because I tried to look up the sales. You can download her entire book yeah. for free. Yeah. So um, I don't know.
0: The podcast's free.
1: Did she, did she like just write it and publish it on her website? I don't know. Because there, there's no way she's getting money from it. There's no gross sales. There's no data. Really? <laughs> I like, don't think so.
0: Even, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know when it was published. Like, did she get sales early on and then she just like decided to make it free? Maybe. But it no, says, download gets, book for okay. free. On her podcast, there's a link for one-time or monthly donations. Interesting. So, it's solely funded by her QAnon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, QAnon. Interesting. But she also goes on to say, like, what I was saying earlier, that more sophisticated psychopaths can hold on to this, quote-unquote, mask tighter. And she says she can draw a connection between the eyes and the mask. And that the eyes are "quote unquote" a victim's first red flag. I'm using a lot of quotes because these are not my words. <laughs> um, and she, like, eight <laughs> minutes into this 30-minute podcast, she goes, "None of this is scientific, by the way. It's just my process." And she just wants to share them with the people. And she goes on stating how, or like, wondering how eyes look in pictures to see if you exactly. Sam's just giving I, a weird. I, <laughs>
1: I literally don't understand how this is like allowed I
0: know <laughs> I, I you totally like freedom of speech but this is just This like, is too so much. Dumb. This is
1: too much. So and the dumb. fact that like you know, I'm sure there are it. people
0: supporting her and listening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, she had like a four out of five star review on. Oh Apple my podcasts. god! there's some like very like dan, you need to go get help. Yeah, like, lots of negative comments. Yeah, but other people <laughs> were Like, oh, so insightful. And granted, I think if you look at her podcast now, like we were saying earlier, it is complete baloney and BS. Yeah, it's she is just spewing conspiracy theories. And up it's and right.
1: it's like it's a tangent every two yes. seconds. Like there, nothing is she has connected. No
0: there's no, no script, no outline, nothing. We
1: listened to, like, how many, almost 20 minutes of one of these episodes doesn't talk about psychopathy no. or psychopaths. And guess what it's
0: titled? Does the UN serve donuts or cookies? Did it talk about does that, does that either? No! Either. Oh,
1: man. It, I mean, you guys can, like, try and listen to it. You, we got so maybe two minutes in and wanted to turn it off because yeah. it was so bad. Yeah.
0: So she is, again, like Sam was saying, How did she get a book published? How does she have? How does she still have a podcast? And I think this is one of the things that will go into in our like one of the last episodes is in terms of like the macro consequences of all this stuff. And I think a big thing is like these big corporations like Apple and like media or sharing um, streaming services like Netflix contributing to the perpetuation of such terribly false right like how the hell does she still have a platform right and granted like we just made a website and we put our podcasts on there which she can easily do but i think it gets tricky when you have these big companies like apple actively letting her
1: and like especially like you talked about like netflix and other like media platforms if they're creating content that's also like perpetuating this idea mm-hmm. for people like her that's gonna yeah, perpetuate, but reinforce. also like, yeah, yeah, reinforce the idea that she's right.
0: Yeah. When she, yeah. none of it and is like, right. Obviously, it's not as black and white of like, just don't let her have a platform. Right, right. They don't right. really have the capacity to do that. Correct. Um, But it's just very interesting. And I think coming up in the digital age, we don't know how to control like false information. Like it spreads like wild.
1: Oh, yeah, there's no way to control it. And yeah. that's why there's so many issues with like, is this true? Is this not true? Mm-hmm. It's hard to, like, fact-check everything that's out there yep. because you you can't. There's too no. much information. No. There's so much information readily available, whether it's right or wrong. And it's, people
0: like this can have a platform. Right, people like Diane. <laughs> oh, my but God. That's basically all we'll get into about Diane's book and podcast. We'll maybe link the book. I don't or the I
1: don't know that we want to. Maybe just the either. website. You can explore it if you'd
0: like. Yeah, Because it is quite interesting, but obviously take everything with the tiniest grain of salt. Right. Maybe not even no salt. (laughs) Because she has no credentials. She is spewing absolute baloney. Probably in her
1: garage recording this podcast. You might think we're over-exaggerating, but if you go and look and listen, you'll understand why we're like not freaking out, but this is horrid. Horrible. Horrid. The first book that I'm gonna be talking about is by another problematic character, maybe not as problematic as Diane, but his name is Cameron Riley, and he wrote The Psychopath Epidemic. He is a marketing strategist, he's from Australia, he has no degree in psychology, he doesn't have a PhD, so similar to Diane, I guess, there's no there's no credentials linked mm-hmm. to the topic yeah. that he that. wrote an entire book on. Also, this book is categorized as nonfiction and as self-help, which you'll understand in a little bit why that makes absolutely no sense. On his author's website, so if you go to his website, he has a pop-up that shows up when you first click on the page that's called Cameron Riley Psychopath Hunters, and it reads, <laughs> not, not in full text, but just just the first stupid half of this. It says, if you want to receive updates on my efforts to put together a global force of psychopath hunters, please sign up to this newsletter. As if one, you can hunt psychopaths, and there are people to be hunted. That's so and then funny. two, you really under understand and believe that this guy like knows anything about what he's talking about. He, <laughs> if, I, psychopath hunter. Psychopath hunters. That's so global force. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, what does what does that mean? I don't know. It's it's giving me Diane vibes. And then he also has a psychopaths poll on his website that shows up on the right hand of the page when you're on like the main page, or if you click on um, the book to read the description, it's underneath. And it says, do you know a psychopath in power? I want to know how many of you think you know one, or better still, work for one. And the options are, yes I know a person I suspect is a psychopath, yes I used to work for or with a person I suspect is a psychopath. Yes, I currently work for or with a person I suspect is a psychopath. And yes, I suspect I am a psychopath. So he's already creating a narrative that psychopaths are, one, easy to spot and track down, and is also encouraging people to self-diagnose themselves with his little poll
0: on his website. Yeah, or just, like, pathologizing other people's behavior. Absolutely. And, oh my god, that's just so insane, like... (laughs) People, it's there are diagnostic tools needed to diagnose. And you need
1: a PhD to purchase the tool. You need training (laughs) training to use it. Oh, okay. So, his book description for the psychopath epidemic reads: Many of the world's leading organizations, businesses, political, religious, military, media, and law enforcement are being run by senior management who probably rank highly on the psychopath test. Not a test. That's already wrong. Psychopaths aren't all serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, give him props for that. He said psychopaths aren't all serial killers. Good for you, sir. Many of them wear a suit or uniform and work in an office. Negative
0: 100 points. (laughs) Their inherent
1: ability to lie, cheat, and steal make them the perfect manager. They have the perfect combination of heartlessness and ambition. We've all worked with or for one of them. Everyone has a story. And yet, we don't talk about it out in the open. The media doesn't seem to have connected the existence of psychopaths and a possible reason why the leaders of our economies act erratically and with so little empathy. This book is the first systematic attempt to derive a model that explains how and why psychopaths are allowed to occupy positions of power in society.
0: Oh my god, there's a lot to unpack
1: there. And this is just the book description. (laughs) We're not even in the book yet. I
0: thought Diane was a bit crazy
1: this guy's like crazy but like diane is like tangent crazy Mm -hmm. and like nothing is connecting this guy's just trying to say that everyone like the world's leaders are all psychopaths Mm -hmm.
0: i don't know something's wrong here something's wrong here he is i don't like him no (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) already it's just like implying that psychopaths aren't allowed to have jobs you know Like, I get he's saying positions of power and like influence, but also I think there's this implicit underlying message that psychopaths, true psychopaths, aren't allowed to reenter society, do you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. I I don't think he's like trying Mm -hmm. to say that, because like from the parts that like I've read in the book, I don't think that's what he's trying to say. Because he also, like, before this, he did this podcast where he was, like, unpacking Alexander the Great and, like, all these leaders before and not relating them to psychopathy, but just going through, like, their history. And he talks about a little bit in the book how if psychopaths were born into poverty, like, a long time ago, they didn't have the ability to, like, rise in the ranks to power. So something about the 1% who are the most wealthy are the people who were, like, kings, queens, whatever, in all older times were psychopaths. It's very, it's very strange.
0: I, I think I'm just getting caught up with him saying they, like, why psychopaths are allowed as if, like, they shouldn't be allowed.
1: See, he talks a lot about capitalism and how that perpetuates psychopathic behavior and allows people with psychopathic traits to become powerful.
0: See, I understand his statement there because in terms of capitalism and just, like, it rewards some it's of that it reward, behavior. It rewards yeah. people who exploit the working class. Correct. Absolutely. That is one hundred percent true. It's him saying like that makes you a psychopath. Because I can understand that when you're looking at the traits for the PCLR like lack of empathy or just like lack of remorse. Yeah, I'm sure Jeff Bezos doesn't <laughs> Oh that my shit. god, no, yes. Everyone. Yes. So totally understand that, but it's just very terrible how yeah. he is attributing it oh to yeah, me, like oh, he's a psychopath. It's like, no, he just doesn't give a shit about his workers because we are in the late stages of capitalism. Right,
1: exactly. So in his preface and introduction of the book, though his description says that psychopaths aren't all serial killers, he implies in his preface to the book that psychopaths are, and I quote, sexually harassing people, polluting the environment, lining their pockets at the expense of their employees and customers, raping children, and covering up crimes. And then continues to say... They are normal people who have gone astray for reasons unknown. Oh my God. And then says, the world is in a mess because we have allowed too many psychopaths to rise to positions of power. No.
0: <laughs> right, right. Mean, exactly. Like, he's like so close to like this class consciousness of understanding how terrible capitalism is and how it's rewarding, as you're saying, rewarding people who are exploiting all their employees right. and don't care about the environment. And it's just, he's
1: just critiquing the wrong thing. Right, right. And, and then he continues to go on and say that psychopaths are people suffering from antisocial personality disorder, which isn't true. Antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy are different diagnoses. And then says psychopathy is much more common than people assume, which you were talking about this before with Diane. If that's not true. Again, if you listen to our episode of Dr. Davis, the prevalence rate is about 1%, mm-hmm. which means it's not common. No. And then at the end of his intro, he says, I want to convince you that this epidemic of psychopaths in positions of power is the biggest problem facing the world today. So this is supposed to be a persuasive book, not based in knowledge at this point, and is categorized under self-help, which again, makes no
0: sense. If he said, I want to convince you that this epidemic of capitalism is the biggest (laughs) problem facing the world today. Perfect. Perfect.
1: Psychopaths? No. No. (laughs) His first chapter is called Garden Variety Psychopaths, (laughs) which already, I don't know what that means. He never explains what it means.
0: I think Garden Variety means, like...
1: Your everyday? Oh. No? What did you think? No, I don't know. So... He says that because one of his first bosses that he had was saying everything was fine to his face and that he was doing a good job and then talking about him negatively behind his back this is his first corporate psychopath. So that that also that makes no sense.
0: corporate psychopath
1: Right. And there's actually, you know what? You know what's interesting? There is a corporate psychopathy scale that's been made kind of like the PCLR. I don't know. How valid it Yeah. Is. I don't know the data behind it, but I know there is something for corporate psychopathy. What is it
0: with people wanting to diagnose their bosses? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Again, capitalism. Right. Right. <laughs> So he says this, and I had I had to kind of go into this because, one, that's, that's not right. But also his statement before about antisocial personality disorder and psychopathy being interchangeable. He, like, says that he's, for the purposes of brevity, he's going to keep saying psychopath, even though it also includes antisocial personality disorder and sociopathy. <laughs> I, I tried to get to the bottom of this with Robert Hare, who we know is an expert on psychopathy and he said that most psychopaths with the exception of those who manage without coming into formal or prolonged contact with the criminal justice system meet the criteria for antisocial personality disorder but most individuals with antisocial personality disorder mm-hmm. are not psychopaths mm-hmm. so and there is
0: overlap
1: right yeah. there is a little bit of overlap especially in the traits because if Absolutely. you look at the diagnostic criteria and even in the DSM-5 it still says like in, in the criteria for antisocial personality disorder, it still, like, says the word, like, psychopathy, which is a problem that Hare goes into in this article, and we'll link the article if you want to look into it. But he continues to say that things become even more problematic when we consider that in the dsm 4 so when he published this article, the dsm 4 was the most recent manual the text description of antisocial personality disorder, which also says it's known as psychopathy, contains many references to traditional features of psychopathy, but in many respects, that text account is incongruent with the formal diagnostic criteria. So he's saying, yes, there is some overlap between the two, but they're not synonymous. They're not the same, because the formal diagnostic criteria for psychopathy has been tested and the PCLR has been like used to define that. There is no definition for antisocial personality disorder and there's not a lot of like recommendations for people who are trying to diagnose that. There's not a lot of structure there. So yeah. antisocial personality disorder is still kind of a contested. Yeah,
0: I also feel like lay people are just like, I mean, and granted like we are humans and we want to find answers to things, but I think people forget that these diagnoses are very difficult to like. Correct. A lot of the criteria overlaps and as humans who are complex beings it's not as easy to be like check 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 you have all these therefore you have this diagnosis.
1: Exactly. It's so much more than
0: that that's why you have to go through rigorous processes. Rigorous evaluations with probably multiple um, providers to see if like everything that they say like matches into and they can agree that this is the diagnosis you should have
1: right and he even has a little like subheader that says the difference between psychopathy and sociopathy and he gives three different distinctions from three different people and they all contradict one another mm-hmm. the first one is from Dr. Xanth Mallet and he said that they have a lot in common psychopathy and sociopathy And then he talks about they're manipulative and accomplished liars and that psychopaths engage in more careful planning of crimes, whereas sociopaths are more spontaneous. There's some issues with that. I don't know why he went to this person. The next person is Dr. John Grohl, and he lumps the two terms together and says that they're pop psychology terms for antisocial personality disorder, which is also wrong, like... Like,
0: thanks. (laughs) Also
1: wrong. And then he goes and tries to quote Hair, and he said that Hare said, sociopathy isn't a formal diagnosis. Sociopaths have a normal capacity for empathy, guilt, and loyalty. Which, he didn't reference that. I don't know what that means. I what that means so either. I don't know where he was pulling this information from, because like I just read from a study done by Hare where he talks about the two different definitions. But he gives these three and then says, it doesn't really matter. We don't really need to worry about it. And then he also brings up the idea that psychopaths are born that way and sociopaths are made that way.
0: See, like, people just want an easy way. <laughs> you cannot distinguish nature versus nurture in this aspect. Nothing. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe, like, genetic disorders, but even then...
1: And, like, if he wants to bring this up, bring it up and dig into it. Mm-hmm.
0: Don't, don't, don't just yeah. give
1: three separate things that all contradict one another and then go, it doesn't really matter. Oh my God. <laughs> doesn't matter. Right. So kind of going off of what you were saying before, he continues and says that capitalism has unleashed an epidemic of psychopaths on the world. And then talks about prevalence rates in prisons and says that the prison prevalence rates of psychopathy ranges from 20 to 50%. Of what? Right. <laughs> That's just what he says. Like? Like, people diagnose psychopathy. In prisons, it's 20 to 50%. That's a... Huge range. range. Also wrong. Wrong. It's at least in the U.S. It's around 24% for male inmates. It's not.
0: Yeah. And he,
1: he (laughs) he made it up. There's no reference. There's no reference. And then calls the corporate psychopaths smiling assassins, and says. One minute, they'll treat you like a long-lost brother, and the next, they will have you up against the wall down a darkened alley with a blade at your throat.
0: A bit dramatic, don't we
1: think? Right. And it's also implying that they'll turn on a dime at any moment, and they, like, kind of can't control it. Because we've talked about maybe the hairline trigger. Yeah. But he's talking about it like they're going to be all lovey-dovey, like, yeah. nice, and then two minutes later be like, I'm going to kill
0: you, goodbye. But yeah. that <laughs> doesn't Cameron, make sense. Good try, Cameron. <laughs> the capitalists just want the most profit and eventually they'll they're gonna exploit the working class and they'll find someone who they can exploit for even less. So buy. Right. He <laughs> so again, lots of problems. You know, give
1: him a little bit of credit. He does discuss the PCLR, but he only talks about who made it, hair, what the traits are, he lists them out like doesn't give descriptions, just a list of the twenty traits. And then talks about how they scored zero to two. That's all he says.
0: Even in Diane's book, she like in her intro, like she talks about the conceptualization. She has like five references of hair in her book, and like Pinnell and Cleckley. Yeah. And you're just like, how did you get it read so all wrong? It? How did you read all of that? <laughs> well, and it seems like you you're like yeah, like hair did hair is the most common conceptualization of psychopathy, and then completely. Mess up so
1: bad. Right. I mean, I'm just gonna go with she didn't really read it.
0: Probably
1: not. Maybe, maybe read the abstract.
0: (laughs) I'm like, you have a forward from two forensic PhDs, PhDs forensic psychologists who are like, yeah, like, oh my god. Anyway, we'll we'll get into that stuff later, but.
1: And then Cameron also created a podcast based on this book. This book came out in 2020, mind you. So this was (laughs) only last year. This came out last year. And he created a podcast based on the book with the same title, and it had four episodes, but has since been removed from almost every platform, or at least is unavailable to listen to on any podcasting platforms. Like, you can find it on Apple Podcasts. It won't play. We need to do that to Diane's podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we need to get Diane's podcast blocked. As is obvious, Cameron Riley doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah,
0: again, we've looked at two people who have no credentials to their name and just absolutely spewing baloney about psychology. Anyone can write a book.
1: Anyone can write a book. (laughs) Going in to this next one, I don't want to slander this man as much as the other people, (laughs) but he's also not, he doesn't have a degree in psychology, he's not an expert on the topic, but his name is Thomas Erickson, and he wrote the book Surrounded by Psychopaths, and he has this whole series of, like, Surrounded by blank. Mm. It's interesting. I I feel
0: like... All of our the people we've looked at just treat psychopathy as a buzzword. They're like, yeah, what'll what'll get me the most sales? It is because absolutely because the topic is so nuanced, and because lay people have already have such a like twisted understanding of what psychopathy is. They want to learn
1: more about it. Absolutely, it's so easy to be like,
0: do you want to figure out who's a psychopath in your life? Right, and like they'll just eat that shit up.
1: Yeah. So Thomas Erickson is from Sweden, and he's a lecturer on topics of communication, and I quote the challenge of achieving each other effectively so (laughs) when i looked more into that i think he's a lecturer and he meets with a lot of corporate people or organizations and tries to get them to understand how to better communicate with each other and understand their own like being
0: language barrier and maybe in terms like if he was like english was not his first language in terms of achieving each other effectively
1: yeah possibly yeah So, in in all of his books, he uses the DISC model of behavior to highlight different behavioral patterns. DISC stands for dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. And there's this chart that shows if you're dominant and influential, you're kind of action-oriented. If you're influential and steady, you're people-oriented. If you're steady and conscientious, you're kind of balance-oriented, you're just kind of going with the flow looking for the best outcome for all. And then if you're dominant and conscientious, you're more task-oriented. Yeah. But he says in part of his like, preface that this isn't necessarily something he's going to be using in this book because he claims that psychopaths can't fit in with this model.
0: He claims that psychopaths can't fit into this model? Correct.
1: Which is why he doesn't want to talk about it. He like why brings it up it? and then says, you can learn about it more in my other books, but oh, for like the blood. purposes of this, like psychopaths don't fit into any of these.
0: I don't get that. Like, like the disc model is very, like it's an interesting model and for like a team bonding activity for my volleyball team, we actually like did it together and like I learned that, I think I'm high in conscientiousness um, and I think I was like S and C. It was pretty interesting, but I, I don't see how you can say that psychopaths can't fit into it. Because it's, it's like personality behavior. and behavioral, right? It's, it's like not a combo. It's supposed to be personality, really. I think some of the questions were like, in stressful situations, you do this, or like, oh, okay. you're more this. Yeah. And it, 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 it wasn't, and I think they prefaced like, don't think of your personality or what you, want to do
1: what you want to say kind yeah, of just like, like your first instinct what
0: would you normally do in this situation it's supposed to be behavioral and as we know from the pclr like have it are is behavior right right correct but i'm a bit confused why he's like they don't fit into it yep. they don't have behavior <laughs> they don't do anything <laughs> well let's get into the yeah, description yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> His description for his book reads, the book reveals how a psychopath will use your weaknesses to exploit you as much as possible. It will help you find out what your personality trait is, red, yellow, green, or blue, according to the psychological DISC method. You'll be able to see through and stand up against the psychopath's advanced manipulation by becoming aware of how you work. What is perfectly clear is that some people have a personality that is exceptionally manipulative. They can convince anyone about anything they enjoy controlling others, and they will not think twice about having to tell a lie or bend the truth in order to get what they want. Of course, everyone with psychopathic traits are naturally not psychopaths, and all psychopaths are not stark mad serial killers. Most of them actually live right among us. Unfortunately, it has been revealed that there's a large number of them than what we might have first thought, which who means you're that? more likely to have met a few of them in your neighborhood or at work or even within your family. It's time to once and for all find out how they exploit you before it's too late. So this is Don't also a book that's supposed to like tell you who psychopaths are, how to identify them, and then talk about how you protect yourself from them. Again, it's just this
0: buzzword for people to sell. <laughs> it really is. few like so-called self-help and just false information. Ugh. So in his
1: intro, and I think this is kind of, in the intro, I think this is kind of going to get to what you were saying Mm -hmm. about why he said, because in his description, he's talking about it's going to help you find out what your personality trait is using the four colors. But I think that's more for the person reading it, not for the psychopath. Okay. It's very strange. Oh, so like, you need to use the DIS model to figure out your behavior and how to best best protect yourself from psychopaths. Yeah. So... (laughs) In his intro, he tells a story about a young man who came up to him at a lecture at a university and asked strange questions about the DISC model and how it can be taken advantage of. The DISC model can... How someone can understand the DISC model and then take advantage of other people using it. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. So this, this young man wasn't getting anywhere with his questions because Erickson was like... One, not really knowing how to answer it and also being a little concerned about why you would want to take advantage of someone using it. The young man like walks away, but instead of like leaving the lecture hall, he just kind of stood off to the side and watched Erickson pack up his things and leave. So that kind of creeped him out. So he tells this little story and then kind of goes more into the actual intro for his book and says, To put it plainly, they are predators in human form. That's how he describes psychopaths. Okay. (laughs) And then says... The whole idea of this book is to quote, show you how to recognize a master manipulator and to protect yourself should you come across one. And then he goes back into this story and he goes, he, he went back a few years later to the same university and asked the people in the department what had happened to this strange man that he met. The answer that he got was that the young man was an employee who was caught embezzling over $100,000 from the university, had gotten two women in the department pregnant got one of them dismissed for sexual harassment against him, and caused the head of the department to resign. So what do we think this says about his understanding of psychopathy? I don't know.
0: You tell me.
1: I'm just immediately going to go with, I don't 100% know that this story is true. It's it's kind of like...
0: Questionable.
1: Yeah, and fantastical. I'm yeah. not sure...
0: Not saying that something like this couldn't
1: happen, because it probably could, but I think he's automatically going for different types of crimes, promiscuous sexual behavior, manipulative, conning behavior, lack of of empathy, empathy, lack lack of remorse. remorse. (laughs) He's trying, I feel like he looked up the PCLR, found all (laughs) these traits, and tried to get a story to connect all of it. Right, right. So he continues to say, They take what they want from you, using any means whatsoever. The consequences don't matter. They seduce and deceive. They lie and manipulate. They are thieves and parasites. They get energy from destroying other people. That is their primary fuel. This is what he says about psychopaths. And then also tries to tell us that he doesn't think psychopaths are violent serial
0: killers. (laughs) I don't... Again, I feel like you're right. He really just looked at the PCLR and he's like, oh, they lie, pathological hygiene? Let me, let me put that in there. He's right, like, that's like, <laughs> like... Let me put that in there. Oh, parasitical lifestyle? Let me say they're parasites. Right. And then
1: again, like both other books that we talked about, brings up prevalence rates to okay. try and emphasize the idea that there are way more psychopaths in the world than we think there are. It's fear-mongering. The prevalence rate is 1%. percent. That is is <laughs> Oh, it's ridiculous, and his book is weird because it's not broken up into chapters. Mm-hmm. It's just like subheading after subheading. He gives his own—it's called an example of psychopathy—and he tells the story. And I'm not gonna lie, when I was first reading this, he's a good writer. <laughs> I got hooked in. I was I was eating this shit up like I was fully invested, and then realized, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> wait this is minute. this isn't it. This isn't it. <laughs> So he tells a story about a young woman who came up to him at a book signing because he used to write thriller novels.
0: Oh, how can he? Right, exactly.
1: And she asked if he could give her advice on her own writing. And he apparently, like, when he was writing thriller novels, would get that kind of thing a lot yeah. and would, like, kind of give, like, a generic response and then give, like, one email response but then, like, stop corresponding. But she started to repeatedly email him when he wasn't responding and the more he didn't respond, the more aggressive her emails got. And then his partner received an email from the same woman, but she changed her name. Mm. And the woman said that they were in a relationship and were going to get married. Mm-hmm. This is starting to sound like a Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the same woman who came up to him at the book signing made accusations in these emails to his partner, saying that he had gotten over 20 women pregnant and was in relationships with over 100. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. That's a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> and at the same time that she was sending these like slandering emails to his partner She was sending emails to him that he said were, quote, deeply romantic about how she longed to see him again and missed him so much. So these emails went on for six months Uh until the police were able to stop this woman. And it actually ended up causing the end of his relationship with his then partner. So he says something like, I'm not telling you this story to get you to feel bad, but like, I'm I'm telling you like, psychopaths cause damage. And it not only affected me and my partner, but it affected our children. And it affected, he says something about like, it affected like 50 other people and he's like that's a 50 to one so is if you, go on. you know so if you come into contact with the psychopath and they like start causing problems in your life it's gonna like have huge yeah. overreaching effects on a bunch of other people and this is supposed to be true about his own experience this is his own experience and this is what he's saying is an example of psychopathy okay and then talks about how like psychopathic behaviors were there in this woman but he doesn't indicate whether there was ever a diagnosis. He doesn't talk about what happened to this woman after. He talks about, like, just, an obsessed fan, yeah. maybe? Stalker? Yeah.
0: Not all st- stalkers are psychopaths.
1: Right, right. But, like, the story, man, it really, it really he got me in. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he was a thriller writer, so... Right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's all made up.
0: Probably. Who knows?
1: Probably. <laughs> then, he... <laughs> I don't know why he automatically, after the story, goes right into uh, Hitler. So it's just like, you said there's subheadings. The subheading's not Hitler. Oh,
0: okay.
1: It's like...
0: <laughs> I thinking, like, my experience, Hitler.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's something like, I'm not, I'm not entirely certain what the subheading was, but the whole premise of the next subheading was about Hitler and something called the PPIR, which is the Psychopathic Personality Inventory Revised. And he talks about- What was the
0: first one?
1: Like, this is a revised one. Right. So the PPIR evaluates eight different personality traits, and they are Machiavellian egocentricity, social influence, cold-heartedness, carefree disorganization, fearlessness, blame externalization, rebellious nonconformity, and stress immunity. And he he says something like if I were to tell you Hitler was a psychopath, you wouldn't disagree. Like you'd be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Which I you know, listen, I'm not here for diagnosing other people, but <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, he says that Hitler scored highly, but not as high as others like Saddam Hussein.
0: Who gave this test? Uh to that's what I'm saying. Right.
1: This test isn't really recognized as anything that's indicative of psychopathy. It's a personality inventory and has little to no scientific research or backing on its effectiveness. It
0: says I'm looking at it right now on some website where you can buy it for like details about it and it says that it's a 154-item self-report measure Of of both global psychopathy and the component traits of psychopathy, and it said that rather than focusing exclusively on antisocial or criminal behaviors, the PPIR measures the continuum of psychopathic personality traits. So if anything, I feel like this it does say it's standardized and validated for use of men and women in a community college sample. And I also includes normative data for a male offender sample. But if anything, I feel like it can measure psychopathic traits. I'm, I'm not too sure. Or will Sammy listed the, the traits, Yeah, but it is self report. And I feel like this isn't used. You don't use this to diagnose someone with psycho Right. Which
1: is psychology. more the issue of what I was saying mm-hmm. when like, it's not, it's, the it has like scientific research and backing to it but not to diagnose psychopathy and then he mentions additional scorers and he said people that scored high he's only talking about us presidents now don't know why he says high scorers were bill clinton jfk teddy roosevelt george w bush nixon and LBJ. And he talks about JFK and Bill Clinton because they were like really like charming and like okay. egotistical, blah, blah, blah. Again, I'm pretty sure just trying to attribute traits from yeah. the PCLR to these people.
0: Also, very bad that like, it's supposed to be a self-report, not let me look at right? these people right? presenting themselves in the media. Let me look, Let me not know anything about their personal lives and interactions and diagnose them. Correct. With something you can't even use to diagnose people with psychopathy.
1: Right. He goes into his chapter one, which is called, What Actually Is a Psychopath? <laughs> and to be fair, he uses Hare's conceptualization. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But then he says he's convinced that there are many psychopaths in high-ranking positions of governments of many countries. So again, this idea that psychopaths are running the world.
0: The world. And I, like, <laughs> it just, like, it almost has it in the sense that to commit war crimes into exploit laborers you have to be lacking remorse lacking empathy and such in like a, a smooth talker or whatever right it's just very wrong that he's being like yep they're a psychopath
1: right and he gives the admission that most psychopaths do not commit obvious crimes
0: what's an obvious crime
1: doesn't explain Person
0: right like, i don't even know people can
1: like yeah i guess you could light a building on fire and no, no one's no. there so that's not obvious yeah. i don't it's very yeah. weird fair, fair. doesn't describe what that is and then proceeds to give a fill in the blank checklist chart for Hare's 20 pclr traits okay so one page in the book is a chart it lists all the traits and then it has three columns zero one and two Stop. with little boxes for each trait no. that you can check off and then write down your Do scores and like give a total one, score.
0: Do people even know what like zero, one, two, like what the like, criteria for like zero, one and two actually are?
1: Under zero, it says, hold on. I'm pulling it up right now <laughs> under zero. Oh no, pardon me. It doesn't even say zero, one, two. It says never plus zero points, sometimes oh plus God. one point, always Which, plus two like, points. He's
0: not wrong in a sense. But, like, it's such a watered-down version of what actually goes into when you're scoring these things.
1: And then, like, doesn't talk about factor one, factor two, doesn't talk about prorating, unable to rate, and just has a total under each thing and then a grand total. So it's, you can fill it in yourself. Oh my god. (laughs) It's such a disaster. And then gives an extensive definition of each of the traits after that. Like, full paragraph for each trait about what it is. Not completely mm-hmm. accurate. And then he goes into the scoring, but says, You should be on your guard around a person with a score of 15 to 20 points. Like, he, one, knows the people that are getting these scores and is like afraid of them or telling people you need to be afraid of them, but also, two, he thinks people just go and get tested yeah. for psychopathy. Also, How, you, <laughs> are well, you gonna just be like, You scored a 15 through 20 on the PCLR? I better be conscious of the what PCLR, you're doing.
0: The BBIR.
1: No, this, he's talking oh, about the PCLR. PCLR. Cause he, he talks about this after he gives you your self-diagnosing PCLR traits. What the hell? Exactly.
0: Also, reminder, the cutoff to be diagnosed as a psychopath is 30. Yep. So like I I, I don't know if he's saying you should be on your guard around a person with a score of fifteen or twenty because they're almost a psychopath or because, you know, they have these traits. Or characteristics, which, like, yeah. Again, that's so. Dumb. He
1: says <laughs> well known psychopaths such as Charles Manson and certain serial killers usually score 35 to 40 points.
0: Uh huh.
1: Yeah, that's what it takes to be a
0: psychopath. <laughs> and then he says, psychopath.
1: you should be on your guard around a person with a score of 15 to 20 points. Such a person does not have good intentions. If you that's should meet somebody thing. who scores 30 points or more, then you should definitely think about your situation and do so damn quickly.
0: What, what are we... You are say? facing
1: a really serious problem. And in the worst case, the psychopath is somebody who is far too close to
0: you. I'm sure everyone's going to be going around putting their scores through the PCLR... And their fucking dating profiles. Like, how yeah. are you supposed
1: to? Well, because you can fill it out yourself in his book, so you'll know what your score is. <laughs> but,
0: like, he's like, if you meet someone with this score, how, does that bring, how it, is that bringing. It makes no sense. Conversation. That's
1: okay, what, I'm what I'm saying.
0: What do you score on the PCLR? Psychopath checklist revised. All right.
1: <laughs> right. And then continues to say, oh, well, like, if I'm looking at these traits and I see something in myself, does that mean I'm a psychopath? And he's like, no. He goes, the difference between you and a psychopath is that you have a moral compass. What?
0: Right, right, right. This is what I'm saying. Oh my gosh.
1: This is what I'm saying. And then tells more stories about other people, but the stories that he's talking about are stories that are told by another person, but not about them. So this is like a third degree story coming into him. And they're stories of these people who have had psychopathic traits or... They
0: heard it through the
1: grapevine. Right. But... He never references whether or not they've been diagnosed. It's just him more storytelling. And then he goes into his next chapter called Protecting Yourself. Diane's looking like an
0: angel right
1: now. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong earlier. I thought Diane was the worst. These two guys are getting up there. <laughs> and he says the three things you need to do to protect yourself are one, increase your self-awareness. Two, so learn how to recognize psychopathic behavior implying that you're going to start pathologizing yeah. every little thing that like, people do.
0: Stop saying psychopathic behavior. Like you could say like negative or like toxic traits in the sense of like, "Oh, this person doesn't give a shit about you." Like there's a lack of empathy there. Like, "Oh, this person is always lying to you." That's one thing.
1: That's like problematic behavior, but you don't need to pathologize no. it and say that's right. psychopathic. Exactly. No. And then Third, this one's my favorite. <laughs> Decide how much you value your own worth and self respect. Oh, that's so
0: disgusting of <laughs> to say it like that. What? Does that? Like, it's so, it's fear mongering.
1: Yeah, so basically, if you don't increase your self awareness and you don't learn how to recognize psychopathic behavior, you don't care about yourself. Yeah. You don't have any respect for I'm yourself. Say, if you have respect for yourself, you would do all these
0: things. You right. You would increase your self awareness and start freaking pathologizing every behavior. Right. Because that's what people with good self esteem do. <laughs>
1: It's literally no. such a disaster. And then he, for this entire book, which is over 350 pages, has less than one page of resources.
0: But in the case of Diane, she had a lot of resources from Heron Cleckley, over 30 resources, and this woman still managed to mess it up. Right. So but like, this is even more indicative of, like, he didn't do a lot of research. It's all Which makes sense. Yes. Yes,
1: clearly. Oh, God. Quite
0: some interesting people... We, cho- we know how to yeah. pick them <laughs> yeah. and it's just absolutely disgusting that they are profiting from borderline propaganda and just oh yeah absolutely false narratives regarding psychopathy yep so just as a takeaway please be aware of what you are reading and as we've been saying throughout all of these episodes especially when you're reading or watching stuff that is conveying messages about psychopathy yeah. Take it with a grain of salt, have a critical eye, and ask yourself, like, what are they actually trying to say? You know, where am I getting this information
1: (laughs) from? Right, right.
0: And remember that a lot of pop literature is purely for entertainment purposes. Or for
1: monetization.
0: Absolutely. Whether or not the book is categorized as self-help or non-fiction. Like, it's not... Don't don't believe that! (laughs) Honestly, buzzwords. Yep. Really do the research for yourself. Know your sources. Look into who is writing what you're reading about. Are they the right source to be talking about this information? All the three authors that we've talked about have absolutely no credentials. Or expertise on the topic. None. Literally none. And it's just like, how do you... Anyone can write a book.
1: Anyone can write a book. Anyone can make a podcast. Anyone can become an expert in something they know nothing about. Yeah.
0: Screw going to school for five years. To get right, trained right. On this. Who needs
1: a who needs a no. bachelor's or a master's or a doctorate? We don't need it. Would be
0: it. An absolute mockery of psychology. As yes. A study. It's absolutely disgusting.
1: Like we said before, there's no way to like get this out of the way. Maybe. There's no way to prevent these things no. from becoming like literature, podcasts, yeah. movies, it's TV so shows, whatever. Publish things or put thing, Make a podcast. Putting anything out on the internet yeah. so easy and takes. Not a lot of time, mm-hmm.
0: and it's like sad to this, in the sense that it falls on the individual to make conscious yeah like to really be conscious of what the media they're consuming. But I still because sometimes like, you don't want to. No. Sometimes you yeah. just want
1: to be entertained.
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, for topics like this, topics about real diagnoses, real fields of study, yeah, this is not something that you should be just like mind-numbingly reading through. Like, right really, really engage in some type of critical thinking or at least be like if you don't want to engage super critically, just understand that like
1: Like read it, read it to enjoy it, mm -hmm. but don't don't take things away from it. No. (laughs)
0: Because (laughs) and like unfortunately there are so many other this was just This was just three examples. Yeah. There's There's a multitude of other examples Mm -hmm. but both like very explicit in this sense of like how false like, the things they were talking about were also pretty implicit, like, as we went through in the, the portrayals of psychopathy in, like, certain media, like, yeah. it's really, it's just really important to engage in some sort of critical thinking when it comes to these topics.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Stay tuned for next week, where we'll be talking about a TED Talk and a documentary on psychopathy.